0: Friends worshiping the Lord, giving Him thanks. You know, Christians, right? Um, It's been a great sense uh, of just connecting again with God. God can do amazing things. So, I was just listening to somebody just this week. I can't remember where it was, or on what it was, through what medium it was. But it was all about connecting with God's presence. And God's presence can do things. I use the word very carefully. Supernaturally, that is in our own efforts can't do. He can do those things very quickly, very speedily, very immediately, where we can spend sometimes years trying to do those things in our own efforts. And church is about meeting together, it really is. And it really is about a social context, it's all of that. But it is about meeting with God. It is about touching the living God. It is about bringing something together, uh, which the momentum and, and uh, the strength of a community of believers Brings about that means that God can do something. I want to encourage you as we worship God, as we give Him praise, as we lift His heart. I want to encourage you to increasingly just bless the Lord and be open to what God wants to do, to be open to Him to heal you, to be open to Him to completely set you free, to be open for all those things that you feel sometimes hold you back to really be gone in Jesus' name. It is quite warm in here. I'm going to get very warm over the next 25, 30 minutes for the second time today. And um, You know, uh, but don't worry about it. Try and just stay with me. And I want you to go to Nehemiah chapter 2 this evening. There's a bit of air coming in from there. Nehemiah chapter 2, because our autumn series here in Arena Mansfield is Bring on the Wall. And um, I want to read these verses in a moment. And uh, you may have sort of said, as Christian began to open this ministry up over the last couple of weeks, well, where are we going with this? You know, a story of several thousand years ago, even before Jesus was born, about a bloke... We're building a wall. But the reality is, friends, that everything that was written in the Bible is written for a purpose. The Bible says that all Scripture is God-breathed and is profitable for us for correction, reproof, instruction, in righteousness. Romans chapter 15 and verse 4 says that everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. I hear people saying, well, we don't need the Old Testament anymore. Really? Everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. So that through encouragement and endurance of the Scriptures, we might have hope. And Christians outlined over the last couple of weeks that there is a prophetic spirit that broods over the book of Nehemiah today. That's the genius of the Bible. It's not outdated, but it speaks right into the life of Arena Church Mansfield in 2011. And of course, we're not trying to build a literal wall in these days, but we are recognizing friends as they recognize that there is brokenness all around us. And in Nehemiah chapter 1, Nehemiah was confronted with the fact that there was brokenness all around him. And the brokenness of the fortified city of Jerusalem meant that the displeasure of God was on the city. The city wasn't living in the will and purpose of God. It wasn't reflecting what God wanted it to do. The gates were broken down. It reflected that the, the people had been in a backslidden, a fallen state. And that speaks so powerfully to our societies today because all around us is brokenness. And there are people here tonight that by the grace of God have come from a world of brokenness to a place where they are increasingly finding wholeness. That is the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to say that there are Christians that have been on the journey and the more that you come close to God, the more you realize sometimes that God's still got to do some work in you. And the fact of the matter is that sometimes God, by his spirit, touches upon things in our lives. Even when we've been Christians 10, 15, 20 years, that reflect some elements still have been broken. And God wants to put it back together. Because that's the heart of God. And so we see Nehemiah stirred with a holy discontent because he got a very prestigious job. He was in exile away from the city. He was a uh, well-paid official, government official. He was the king's cupbearer, a place. A position of huge responsibility and trustworthiness. And God had placed him there. He could have stayed there forever and drawn his pension and been happy ever after. But God stirred something up. And that's the call of God, friends. It's uncomfortable at times. See, there are lots of people, even Christian people at times, that have pitched up for a comfortable life. And from about 30 years on from retiring, they've got it all sorted out. Where is God going to say anything? How can God break into any of that? But you see, God wants to break into our lives at times. And part of my mandate on these days is to call young people to say, guys, whatever it costs, God's calling you to follow him. I can't guarantee that you're going to sort of have it all sorted out and everything's going to be nice. But what I can guarantee is that you can touch your generation for Jesus if you'll really follow him and serve him all your days. And I'll come to that a little bit later on. So this holy discontent gets stirred and he, he sees the condition of brokenness around him. He expresses a great concern in prayer. He mourns, he weeps, he fasts. He makes a massive confession of prayer in the greatness of God. And then he responds to the call. Not no longer to be the cupbearer, but to be the leader of this community of people that would seek to rebuild the walls. And Christian told you last week about divine favor. How that we position ourselves, align ourselves for the favor of God to come to us. At the beginning of chapter 2. And so we come to chapter 2, verse 11. And he says this, I went to Jerusalem, and after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few men. I had not told any of anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There were no mounts with me except the one I was riding on. Then he talks about how the, at night time, he did a reconnaissance mission of the walls. He, he had a look. He quietly did it, unobtrusively, quietly, Behind the scenes, and we come to verse 17, it says, Then I said to them, that's the remnant of people that have returned to the city, that were in despair and thinking nothing's going to happen, never, nothing's have a change, nothing's going to come, no revival, it's never going to be as good as it used to be. When we think what the city used to be, when we think what the church used to be, it's never going to be as good as what the church used to be. There's too many of those people around. I tell you friends, the best is in front of us and not behind us. It really is. But I said to them, you see the trouble we're in, Jerusalem lies in ruins and the gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of God upon me and what the king had said to me, the call of leadership to stir the people into action. It all works there and that's not really the message tonight, but see the dynamic of it. They replied, let us start rebuilding. They responded to the call and so the work began. But then Sambalat the Hornite, Tobiah the Ammonite, official in Gishim, the Arab, heard about this and mocked and ridiculed and said, what is this that you're doing? Are you rebelling against the king? I answered them by saying, the God of heaven will bring us success. We are his servants and we'll start rebuilding. But as for you. You've no share in Jerusalem or any claim or historic right to it. The title of tonight's message is, Don't Stop Me Now. It's inspired. I like the song. Some of you have gone there. Okay, I like it. Chris is going to play it at the end. Okay, I like the song. But I want you to think tonight about the spiritual principle. Because there's something I want to sow into your heart tonight. If you want to progress in God, if you want to become a Christian tonight there are things that are going to try and get in your way to stop you. If you want to give everything that you've got as a Christian to Jesus, there are going to be things that are going to try and stop you. And the reality is tonight, we need to learn from the principles of this passage, that there is nothing that needs to stop us being all that God has called us to be. If you see it clearly, you're moving to what God is doing. And so God's not just called us to have a good time. I mean, you see, it's there, but... He's not called us, friends, to uh, just sort of... uh, Defy the laws of gravity and walk around at 200 degrees Fahrenheit. Moving at the speed of light. He's called us to build the kingdom of God. I want to give you three things tonight that will help us to do that. Number one, an understanding of the task. Verses 11 to 16. An understanding of the task. Because having been released by the king. And positioned himself for favor. Which Christians spoke to you about last week. Nehemiah now comes to travel to Jerusalem. He assesses the task. As I've said already, he does it quietly, unobtrusively. He goes out by at night on horseback. He says very little, but he understands that there's a huge project involved. And there's two things I want you to notice. Number one, they understood the task by facing it. One of the great dangers of Christianity is escapism. Oh, we run to our little spiritual ball tour, so We don't want that horrible world to get us. I'll tell you what, friends, you've got to go and face it again tomorrow morning. That factory, that office, that shop, that school run, whatever it is, that works canteen, that student campus, that college, that sixth form place, people swearing, people taking Jesus' name in vain, people coming at it different from you, expressions of darkness and rebellion. And do you know what? God's positioning us tonight to face up to that tomorrow. That's why we're here tonight so that we can be launched back out into what he's called us to face tomorrow. We, number one, understand the task by facing it. They recognized that the walls of the city were broken down and that there was a huge issue involved in seeing the rebuilding of the walls and they faced it head on. It's no good us pretending tonight, friends, that there are people in Mansfield that aren't broken. They are. It's no good tonight pretending that there are not issues with drugs in Mansfield. There is. It's no good pretending tonight that there isn't domestic violence in this town. Because it expresses itself, particularly at the weekends. It's no good t- pretending tonight that there aren't kids in danger. Because there are all, all around us, friends. There's brokenness. And the way that the church begins to respond to the brokenness, is not pretending it's not there. It's not coming to our little spiritual ball hole on a Sunday night, for our nice time, as Christian alluded to, And then forgetting about that is strengthening us to face the task that lies in front of us. To see transformation in broken lives that will come to Jesus Christ that makes an impact upon the community that God has placed us in. You see, very often, eschatology, that means the doctrine of last things. Nathan will tell you that. He'll tell you all about eschatology. (laughs) has influenced our ecclesiology. That means the doctrine of the church. And here's how it works. No good doing mission, because Jesus is coming any minute. He's going to boom us out, Scotty, and we're going to go any time now. And I alluded to it in my magazine article. He used to dominate people. And if you were ever tempted to go somewhere, somebody would say, well, what are you going to do if Jesus comes? Well, I'm going anyway. But, you know, the, the threat was that you weren't going because you were in the wrong place at the wrong time. What sort of theology was that? But the fact of the matter is that we had an overemphasis on Jesus coming again. Now I passionate belief, friends, because it's one of the three unconditional promises of the New Testament that Jesus is coming again. I will build my church, I will pour out my spirit, and I will come again. Nothing's going to stop those things. Jesus is coming again. But I'm not going to spend my time debating over it, looking at charts, wondering what Daniel 9 thinks, and all those sorts of things to work out when it's going to happen. And the fact of the matter is, I want to live in the light of it, but I want to be passionate about facing the challenge in the light of it. So in other words, friends, our churchmanship is not determined by that. It's determined by the fact that God wants us to be the hope of the world. It's determined by what Jesus says in Ephesians 3, when he says that through the church, the many varied colours of God's wisdom would be clear to the principalities and powers through the church. And we need to recognise tonight that God doesn't want us to be escapists. But he wants us to be people that are frontist. We face the challenge. Number two, we assess the challenge. Like all jobs, there was more to it than first imagined. Guys, have you ever had one of those comments from your wife that says, it's only a little job. It'll only take an hour. Oh And seven, eight hours later, you've got your hand down the drains. And the whole thing's gone wrong. And you're utterly frustrated. And you're praising Jesus with all your heart. Giving him thanks and glory. and Loving your wife with a passion. Because it was just a little job. That proved far more complicated than first thought. Those of you that have done housing extensions or house. No, just a little job. And then the builder says, You know. You know, and it costs more as well. So you've got to face the fact that there was more to it than first appeared. And in Luke fourteen twenty-five to 33, not time to read it tonight. Jesus says, if you're going to come and follow me, and he talks to disciples, because that's the only people he's looking for. No, there's no other character of person. If you're going to follow me, you need to count the cost. And the reality is, friends, we need to recognize at times that to follow Jesus can cost us. And I've faced up to that challenge many times. I want to say with absolute humility tonight, I'm still up for paying the cost. I'm still up for whatever it costs to follow Jesus. I'm going to follow him. Because there's no greater thing in the world than to be in a communion of following Jesus. I want to encourage you tonight to press through. And to understand all that God is doing in your life. So an understanding of the task. Secondly, an identifying of the need. Verses 17 to 18. The mission over. Nehemiah gives a report back to the people. Verse 17 in the message puts it this way. Face it. We're in a bad way. Here Jerusalem is a wreck. Come. Let us build the wall. They said, let's get started. They rolled up their sleeves... Ready for the work. Amazing. And the fact of the matter is that to see the work of God built, we need materials, we need finance, we need skills, we need organization, we need initiative. But friends, all of those things will be jettisoned if we don't have a spirit of togetherness. Let us rebuild the walls Togetherness is amazing. Absolutely incredible. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 27, it says these words. He says, Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel. That's togetherness. And the strapline theme of our Movement going forward, our network of churches nationally is stronger together. We need each other. You might say tonight, Well, I feel as though I've got so little to contribute to the church. We need you. You may say tonight that so many people seem more gifted than me. We need you. We need you. The Bible says that the things that seem so weak, the things that seem as though we can dispense with, we actually. Need We need a spirit of togetherness. And the people, although they've been discouraged in the past, although they thought that nothing had ever changed, when the anointed leader came on the scene and gave a frank assessment of the work, but then called the people to build, they responded with an amazing spirit that says, we're going to roll our sleeves up. When do you want us to start? And of course, chapter 3, which we'll come to another week, gives an incredible practical expression. Of them working together. I want to encourage us, friends, in Arena Mansfield, at whatever level we are, however long we've been Christians, whatever our gift, I want to really, really encourage us to live with a spirit of togetherness. It's biblical. We are taught again and again in the Bible to be at one with each other, it's essential. Because without it, we actually go nowhere. We fracture. We talked in another context this morning about being in step with each other. It's absolutely essential. And thirdly, friends, it's profitable because togetherness gets things done. Togetherness gets things done. So there was an assessing of the need there was a, an assessing of, 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 of the, the task, an identifying of the need. And thirdly, which is really what I want to come to for a few moments tonight, is that there was thirdly a recognising of the help. Everything at the moment seemed on course. Nehemiah received this amazing call from God. He comes back to Jerusalem, his home city. He, he, he does a reconnaissance mission. He assesses the task. He counts the cost. He shares with the people the desperate nature of, the, of, the, of the, uh, the problems ahead. They respond with a heartfelt spirit that says, come on, we can do it. And then, verse 19. Sambalat, the Hornites, Tobiah, the Ammonites, and Geshem, the official, heard this and mocked and ridiculed. Who or what do you think you were doing? Now in verse 20, Nehemiah says God will give us success. And you may be a super confident, self-confident type of person. I'm normally the sort of person that when God asks me to do something, I can think of 20 people that could do it better. It's just, just our and wide. And I have to deal with that. I have to continually deal with it so I don't keep putting lids on my life. But the reality is, wherever you are in all of that, whether you're sort of out there, yeah, bring it on, or you're a little bit more sort of, sort of in on yourself at times and a little bit more sort of introspective in terms of how you'd approach things. Wherever it is, friends, it's God that will always ultimately give us the success. So they cried out to God and said, God can give us success. But they were challenged in that statement of faith. And we're going to come across these people again in chapter 4. But in verse 10, they were mentioned right at the end of the passage from last week. And here they resurrect themselves again. Three people that became ringleaders of the opposition to see the walls rebuilt. What do you think you were doing? It only needs a few friends to gather a crowd. Many times I've had people say, all the church disagree with what you're doing. Oh, right. Well, if you could have a few names, I'll perhaps go and talk to people. Oh, no, no, I can't do that. (laughs) But all the church disagree with you. And the fact of the matter is that they sort of seem to bring a response. Very often that's not the case. But it only needs a few to be cheerleaders of the opposition. I want you to notice the spirit of the opposition. They mocked and they ridiculed. They, Friends were in sort of bring intimidation and control to this particular situation. They even told lies because they said, are you rebelling against the king? Bear in mind last week that Christian outlined to us that the king brought favour to Nehemiah by releasing him to go and do the task that God had called him to do. It was a direct opposite affront to what had already taken place. We shouldn't be surprised about that because the Bible tells us in John's Gospel that the kingdom of darkness is built on lies. The enemy is the father of lies. But here's the truth. If we're going to continue to go out in, in God, if we're going to continue to press forward in Him, if we're going to be all that God wants us to be, there's going to be occasions where we're going to get mocked and ridiculed. We're going to have a spirit that seeks to stand against us. It's going to cause us sometimes to appear a laughingstock. It's going to sometimes seem to make that what we're trying to do seem absurd. Huh! You'll never do it. Oh, by the way, we got some in- brilliantly encouraging comments Post-July 4 last year, when we made the decision to become Arena Mansfield and decided that on the first Sunday night of September 2010, the church would relaunch in this place. Brilliant comments like, it'll never work. You'll only last about four weeks. It'll be a damp squib. Fantastic. Brilliant comments from people that carried the spirit of Sam Ballot, and Tobiah. And 15 months on, friends, we're still going with a healthy crowd of people passionate about God and wanting to reach this town. We're further down the line now than what we were then. The church is stronger now than what it was then. We're more together now than what we were then. God has been amazing. I can't remember, friends, one Sunday night at Mansfield when I've gone away thinking that was a damn squib. I go home every week pumped. Fantastic. Great worship, great work, great fellowship, great teas and coffees. Every week. Every week. Where else would you want to be on a Sunday night? There's nothing on the telly. In fact, God's so good with his six o'clock service, you can get home and watch what you want to watch when you're finished. There you go. <laughs> God's good. But you see, people wanted to stop it before it started, and here's the principle: don't stop me now. Because things that God is starting in your life, the enemy will seek to stop before they really get started. In other words, he understands the power of momentum. He understands the fact the fact that if you the power of the fact that when you come to strength in your life you'll start telling the enemy to shove off in that particular area and say, sorry mate, too late. Because I'm so far down the line, there's no going back. But if he can stop you back here somewhere, when you're still sort of thinking about it, you think, yeah, maybe, maybe I don't want to get sort of too keen on this Christian thing. And people are sort of saying, I'm getting a bit fanatical about going every week. And we try, yeah. Try and stop us before we started. Hear me when I say this. And I... It's a slightly emotive comment, and I'm conscious of it. But there is an abortive spirit at work in the kingdom of darkness that's not only in relation to babies in the womb. It's bigger than that. It's bigger than that. The reality is in the United Kingdom last year, friends, 200,000 babies were aborted before they had a chance to live. But it's bigger than that. You see, there's an abortive spirit at work that seeks to rob you of things in the spiritual realm of your life before they get started. And you need to see it for what it is and deal with it in the victory that Jesus Christ has given to you. I'm thinking of becoming a Christian. Somebody says, you'll never keep it up. I'm thinking of getting baptized. Oh, well, The reality is that it, Christian will tell you sometimes when we have a baptismal service... There's always something that happens. Happened last time. Happened last time. Where's. Oh, he, he should have got involved with his mates the night before. Stopped him. Well, by the way, he's not been to church since. spoke in tongues for the first time and that little accusing voice says it was mumbo jumbo so I'm never going to speak in tongues again. No, you need to speak in tongues again. 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 Because to 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 when you keep speaking in tongues, he will eventually give up and say, this person really believes in speaking in tongues. I'll move on to somebody else. You gave a prophetic word in church and you sat down and the little, little accusing voice says you killed the meeting. You killed the meeting. It happened to me a few weeks ago. I gave a prophetic word before the, before the message started. And, uh, you know, I thought, yeah. <laughs> and as I'm preaching, you know, the little accusing voice as well. That was, that was, somebody came up to me afterwards and says, that was just for me. Brilliant. See, it's a battle. A battle. And sometimes, how are you going to operate spiritual gifts? Do you think the Holy Spirit is going to say, Christian? Seek. No, it doesn't work like that. He's a human person. The Spirit of God comes upon him, gives him something in his heart. There's barely a week go by without a Christian prophetically declaring something in prayer and intercession. Feel the call of God to ministry. Yeah. Somebody will get in the way, let me tell you, if you feel the call of God to ministry. Let me take you back to 1977. No, it's a long time ago. But I was just preparing to go to Bible college at Mattersy. I was at the annual conference of the Assemblies of God. An august group of people, a spiritual group of people. Woo. We were walking three foot off the ground in buttlings all week. It was that spiritual. When I told somebody I was going to Bible school. Where's Sharon? She was there. She was my fiancé then. Uh, and... Uh, An old-fashioned word, it means you're engaged, you know. You don't have to explain it nowadays, you know. And uh, somebody said something to me. I'm I'm more emotional now than what I was then because I'm getting a bit older. I ran into the dead of night and wept and wept and wept and wept. wept. Because somebody tried to stop me before I started. It was a sarcastic throwaway regarding the call of God. Could have wrecked me. Could have absolutely wrecked me. And it happens, friends, again and again. Every time God has brought a spur into my life, every time that God does something significant in my life, the tactic never changes. And so this year, all those years later, there's been many things in between, I go with Christian and Julie and Christine to listen to a great Christian leader from the other side of the world, in Stafford, in uh, in, in Staffordshire. And... uh, (laughs) sort of county town I was, I was searching for it then and uh, I said to Christian just having my coffee before the meeting I said to Christian I've just had a don't stop me now moment because a friend of mine 30 years standing came up to me and we got all this sarcasm about well, where's your AOG badge I've heard about what's happening with the National Leadership <laughs> <laughs> hang on a minute I thought you were a mate So there was a sense of deflation when I sat in the table. I said to Christian, I see it for what it is. So don't stop me now moment. Surprisingly, it's took a bit longer than what we thought. We've got a don't stop me now moment at at Food Bank at the moment, at Arena. It's took a bit longer. We've got a bit of momentum. But now we've got a battle on. Because the council want to shut the cabin down. Woo, somebody's complained. And we've got a meeting this week. Because somebody wants to tick a few boxes. And we've we've got 340 people on Register Friends in just over a year. Some of them desperate. Lisa had a guy in this Friday food bank. He says, I have never missed a day's work since I went and left school in 1986. 25 years ago. Got made redundant a few months ago. I cannot live on what they're paying me. I never thought I'd be in this situation. Weeping in the room because our church are feeding him. Tuesday we've got a meeting. Where people are going to try and stop here. Need to see for what it is need to see it for what it is. So, those of you that are young in the faith, say, you know, sometimes folks are trying to stop me being a Christian. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Because you need to realize we've all been in that boat. I felt the call of God to ministry, and all I've come across is discouragement. Yep. I've sort of given that prophetic word in the youth meeting, and somebody laughed about me afterwards. Yep. It happens all the time. Because the enemy comes, friends, with that Sambalat Tobiah Geshem spirit. To seek to stop you ever prophesying again. When in this room tonight, we've got prophets that need to arise. That see the heart of God. That feel the life of God. That declare the word of God into this generation. No wonder he wants to stop you. And 34 years on from that person making those comments that caused me to run to the dead of the night and weep. I'm still going. Still going. And I determine, friends, to see it. It always takes you a little bit by surprise. You always think it will never happen again. It always takes you off guard. It always sort of affects your innards. But if you'll see it for what it is, God will cause you to be in victory every time. And here's how they responded. Number one, by dismissing what was said. Dismissing what was said. You have no claim or historic right to Jerusalem. Number two, by determining what they were about. And they said that we are going to rebuild the walls. And number three, by defining who they were. We're servants of the Most High God. Friends, nothing can stop us. If God before us, who can be against us? Greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. You're the servant of the Most High God. And brothers and sisters, God's called us together at Arena Church prophetically, 2011, for such a time as this, to see the broken spiritual walls of our community broken. The enemy's trying to stop it. He's trying to sow discouragement and say, it'll never work. It won't last. Christian will never do it. But we're still going to do it because we see it for what it is. It's not of God. It's of the enemy. And we say to the enemy, don't stop me now. Don't stop me. Don't stop me. Don't stop me. Don't stop me. Don't stop me becoming a Christian. Don't stop me praying. Don't stop me speaking in tongues. Don't stop me prophesying. Don't stop me leading that team. Don't stop me serving in the church. Don't stop me giving tithes and offerings. Don't stop me living the call of God. Don't stop me. Don't stop me. Don't stop me. Understanding the task. Identifying the need and recognizing where the help comes from. I close with this. It's in the front of my Bible. It's a black American pastor. It's got a bit of a, well, when I start to read it, you'll know it's a black American pastor. I'll avoid doing the accent. I'm part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I have the Holy Spirit power. The die has been cast. I've stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I'm a disciple of his. I won't look back. I won't let up. I won't slow down. I won't back away. I will be still. My past is redeemed, my present makes sense, and my future is secure. I'm finished and done with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, lame visions, mundane talking, miserly giving, dwarf goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotions, plaudits, popularity. Come on. You know, I like that. And I don't have to be right... First, top, recognised, praised, regarded or rewarded. I now live by his presence. Lean by faith, love by patience, lift the prayer and labour by power. My face is set, my walk is fast, my goal is heaven, my road is narrow. My way is rough, my comparisons few, my guide reliable, my mission clear. I cannot be brought, compromise, Detoured, lured away, turned back, diluted or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of adversity, negotiate at the table of the enemy, ponder at the pool of popularity or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, shut up, let up, burn up or burn up until i preach, preached, prayed up, paid up, shored up and stayed up for the cause of Christ. I am a disciple of Jesus. I must go till he comes, give till I drop, preach till I all I know and work till he stops. And when he comes again to get his own, You'll have no problems recognizing me. My colors are clear. Don't stop me now. Thank you.